Hey everyone, before we get to today's episode, I have some awesome news that I've been so excited to share with you. As many of you know from listening to the podcast, I am working on my Doctor of Ministry project called Queer Spiritual Formation. In this project, I'm exploring what it looks like to provide spiritual direction in the lives of queer people from a traditional perspective of sexuality that promotes the flourishing and betterment of queer people. As part of the project, I will be doing a six-month one-on-one spiritual formation cohort with eight queer Christians. The only two requirements is that you are queer and Christian. That is it. There is no required belief on sexual ethics or anything like that. If you are interested, apply now at lifeonsidebe.com forward slash resources or through the link in our Twitter and Instagram bios. The deadline for applying is July 15th. And the cohort will begin the first week of September. I would be honored to go on this adventure of spiritual formation with you. And with that, let's head into this week's episode. Hey everyone, this is Becca. I want to remind you that Life on Side B is a ministry of Posture Shift, a missiological ministry equipping church leaders and parents on LGBT plus inclusion and care. You can learn more about their awesome work at PostureShift.com. Also, we want to thank all of our patrons who keep the podcast going and growing through their continued giving. If you love this podcast, we would love for you to consider becoming a patron at Patreon.com slash LifeOnSideB. Now, on to the episode. Okay. Um, hi, friends. Hello. <gasps> Mary. Hello. You're here. I'm back. Oh. Welcome back. <laughs> uh, happy to be back. It has been far too long, uh, but I hope that you guys, I know that you guys have been having fun without <sighs> me, and that's good. But we have constantly. No, there's been no fun. It's been sad times. Uh-huh. Ever uh-huh. since you left. <laughs> After the episode you just told me about you recording. <laughs> okay, all right. Okay, Mary, okay. literally there's been moments. Henry was even sometimes the one of going, who are we missing? Who's missing in this situation? Aww, yeah. That's true. And, that's true. and then we were like, oh, it's Mary. <laughs> so, <That's>... yes. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so okay. glad that you asked me to come on back. Though. Absolutely. Because I will not I will not be silent, not on queer representation. No, sir. I have far no. too That's what I, like, I have far too, too many thoughts on ships and shipping. It's great. Uh, exactly. <laughs> you you called me back for the right purpose. My time has come. Yes. Um I'm um Yeah, no, I I've been really looking forward to this episode. Um I'm really glad that we're doing this for Pride Month. Because I just think it's so fitting. Right, yeah. So will it be released during Pride Month? Since <laughs> yeah, it's, it's going to almost... be released in June. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because like, so... I, I, I have no idea, like, we're, since we're recording, like, a lot together, I have no idea, like, really when stuff comes out anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I... Like, Let's record this because it needs to come out in two days. Yeah, no. It's been really weird for me to be, like, in this situation where, like, Mary, you would be so proud of us. We have, like... 85% of the entire season recorded. It's it, wow. honestly, it's been good. We'll have like a really packed week, like today, Josh double booked episodes and everything. Yeah. But then we'll have like a chill, like month and then do it again. Yeah. Wow. That's impressive, honestly. Way to go, you, master producer, Josh. He was determined. Truly. Mm-hmm. Oh, 
your audio went gone? Out. Josh, your mic's off. I accidentally was muted. Um, no, yeah, I think we're literally at the point now where all of the co-hosts, except for the season finale, only have one more episode to record. Like, Ashley, you only have one more. Grant, you only have one more. Um, wow, wow, wow. To, really? Like, Gonna give them a break during Pride Month? Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, Ashley, yours is the one with Wes. Okay, there's that one, and there's that other There's that other one. We're still waiting on confirmation. Oh, that's true. Yeah, okay, two. Two more. Two. Yeah. Um, yeah, but two or one, but it's real. I've been very shocked. But the hard part for me has been because we've recorded them, at times I will talk with people going, oh, yeah, and have you heard that episode yet? And they're like, no. And I'm like, oh, that's right. It's been, like, recorded. <laughs> it's not been published. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I have to be careful. Um well, that'll be a new tier. You get episodes early if you haven't already done Ooh, that. Ooh, maybe I need to do that instead of bonus episodes because <laughs> recording bonus, if there is any proof that the devil is real, it's been how he's been blocking yeah, bonus it's... episodes from happening. I had a thought for <laughs> the one devil yesterday and I forgot about it. That's why I sent I send Josh like random messages when I'm like driving to work that like just come out of nowhere because I know if I don't, I'm going to forget it. And I'll send him ideas just in the middle of nothing. I love it. This isn't a bonus episode, though, no. right? Well, perfect, then. Devil is not here Devil today. is not here. Yeah. Devil <laughs> is not. Ugh, okay. Banished. Be gone, devil. Y'all, we are talking about LGBTQ media. This is going to be beautiful. Um, I'm so excited. I will try not to gush too much. <laughs> Well, there's just a lot Ashley, of content. Ashley just gave me a look. <laughs> sure. Sure, Jan. I mean, there's. It, it's weird how we're in a situation now where I feel like there's a lot of content. There's a lot to talk about. There's also, like, there's ways you could say that there's content missing. But the, all of this, I guess, to start out with, let's just go with um, what is... Um, Let's go with, like, what has been some of the main, like, content that has been really, like, um, that you've really loved queer content, like, some of your favorite queer content. Let's actually, let's go with that first. I would love to hear that. Recently or just in general? I think either, whichever one. It could be the most recent that you've loved or, um, or actually, let's go with the question that we had already planned. Um, where have each of you seen queer representation media for the first time? Like, what was your first queer representation media? I mean, I have to ask, does seeing a, uh, a drawing of Remus Lupin and Sirius Black together count? Because oh, that was probably, that was probably my first time. <laughs> you went like, to- <laughs> middle, like middle school or something, you know, I'm going on, I think, DeviantArt or something. And wouldn't you know it? You People went were to wild. Harry Potter fanfic so quick. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was probably yeah. the first one. But if we're talking about, like, actual from corporate down, not just, like, fan creations, um, probably... I- I'm going to peeve people off, uh, but I never watched Glee. However, I think some of the first representation that I saw was Darren Chris in Glee and Kurt Hummel in yes. Glee. Mm. Um, I vividly remember that happening uh, around 2009, I think, is when he joined the cast. And of course, I was following it because 
going back to Harry Potter, Darren uh-huh, Chris uh-huh, Darren yeah. Chris was in a very Potter musical <laughs> and it was hilarious. So I do vividly remember that hitting and everyone talking about it. And I think that was one of the first instances, honestly, of yeah. a teenager or, you know, teenager yeah. in the show, at least. I'm sure Darren Chris was in his 20s at that point. Um, they always are. But a teenager represented as gay, openly gay, on a Fox Channel sitcom, actually. Like, that was Fox, which is so weird to me, looking that, back on that. It is It is wild. That is true. Let's see. I think for me, I don't know, like, another one, like, I'm like, I don't know if this kind of counts, because, like, it wasn't, it wasn't. But do you guys know, it's like a 70s sitcom, Three's Company? I have yes, it. Yeah. yes. <laughs> okay. So it's about a guy and two girls who share an apartment. And at that point in time, you couldn't do that if they weren't married. So the guy pretended to be gay. So the landlord yes. would let them live together. And I remember when I was younger, like it took me forever to realize where I had actually heard the word gay for the first time. Mm-hmm. And it, I think it was in the past couple of years. I was like, that's where it was. That's where I learned it. Yeah. But then probably like yeah. the first like actual on purpose representation of people was um in Buffy. It was uh Willow and Tara. Mm. Yeah. That's mm. that was UPN back in the day. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that was a huge milestone. Yeah, that was a big one. It's so f- And probably one of the first biggest bury your gay tropes. First biggest instances, right? I'm pretty sure that's where I Shoot think- Your Gay started. Because I don't know if it started, but it spoiler, definitely Spoiler if you like, haven't watched Buffy. I know, yet, right? Now, now I'm Terrible. just realizing. Okay, guys. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I just realized that that might be a huge spoiler for a 20-year-old series now. But. Yeah, at, that po- at this point, it's like, <laughs> it's like people who said that people like spoiled, like, what was it? Um, Little Women. Spoiled I'm like, Dracula. I'm so sorry. If you didn't read the book in fourth grade like the rest of us, that's on you. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Mine, it's really funny. Okay, so my first, like, non, like, I didn't get that they were gay. It was never said they were gay. And then later on, I realized, like, you know those moments where there's a gay character? And, I mean, my parents knew I was gay from elementary school. And so I realized that there were overtly gay characters that they were very nervous of me seeing. And it was because it was known that they were gay, but it didn't connect with me. So that was the wedding planner and father of the bride. I didn't because wow. I remember saying I wanted to be a wedding planner and my parents got really nervous <laughs> because oh, they were gay <laughs> and it came out later on. I was like, oh, I get it now. But my first um, my first exposure to a gay character was actually Golden Girls where Blanche's <sighs> brother comes out as gay. And oh, okay. oh, of yeah. course it is. Of course it is. I'm a I'm a Golden Girls fan. And I remember I there was the two episodes. There's the one where he comes out as gay and there's the one where he brings his boyfriend or his fiance cuz I think the whole thing is they're getting married. And um that was the first time I had ever. Well, and then there's the other one with the lesbian, but like with the lesbian friend of Dorothy. So like all of those episodes were the first time I ever experienced someone on TV saying I am gay. Um, or I'm lesbian. Bless Golden Girls. Bless Golden Girls. I mean, they were ahead of their time. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Grant, what about you? In so many ways. I'm trying to think of the first, like, 
show or movie or, or something. And I think honestly, like growing up, um, we didn't have cable. We didn't have a lot of channels to choose from. It was like mostly an antenna. So during the summer, um, like soap operas would play. Uh, yeah. PBS, PBS would play, but yeah, PBS. some of, some of, uh, some of the soap operas would also play. And, um, I think there were like, uh, episodes where there was, there was a gay couple of some kind. And I think that was my first time where I saw a gay couple on television. But of course I was like, I had to pretend that I wasn't really watching it. It was just playing in the background. Uh Um, uh, so that, yeah, that was probably my first exposure to that. Also, weirdly, what's coming to mind is, um, what's that one James Dean movie um, with the red jacket? Um, is it Rebel Without a Cause? No, I think it's Rebel Without a Cause. I don't know that one. No, yeah. uh, it's like an old movie because my dad watched old movies and I watched, uh, like, re- there was like an old movie channel on the antenna. Nice. And one of one of the characters, he's not gay. Well, explicitly. <laughs> He he, for sure is in my like how I remember it. But there was this one like sensitive, like fragile male character, and I was like, oh, I just I'm him, I'm him, and I want James Dean to take care of me. You know, like that's. So that was my, that's where, most of my um, exposure to LGBTQ media came from. And then Glee, Glee came out, and I remember just honestly obsessing over the first season of Glee when I watched it. I didn't, it didn't, I didn't watch it when it was happening, but um, yeah, Kurt, I, I resonated so much with Kurt and then, whew, then Darren Chris came on the show and <laughs> he's been, he was responsible for a lot of figuring stuff out about myself. <laughs> Characters can do but, that. Yeah, I think, yeah. I totally yeah. just forget this is going to sound stupid and, and surprising because of I try to be connected to the importance of LGBTQ representation in media history, but like I forget how in like important Glee was to so many queer people our age. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. When did that like come out though? Mm-hmm. I think I might have not been. 2009. 2009. That's the year I left the country. So that's why I didn't really like click yeah. for me to like year later that that was even a thing. Uh, yeah, because no. yeah, like, it came out while I was in college or after. I'm trying to remember. Because I think that's why it didn't, like, it was, I wasn't in high school or anyone. Yeah, no, I was 19 in 2009, so I think you were about the same age. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, well, then connected to that, would love to go since not just the first representation, but what what would you say has been, like, an instance of representation that was important to you personally? And like, what, what, why was it so important for you? If nobody wants to go first. Go ahead, Mary. Go ahead. We're, we're so excited <laughs> to hear your voice because we don't get to hear it anymore. Oh, <laughs> thanks. I will, I will take advantage of that. Take advantage of that now. Um, so golly, I, you know what? I'm not going to bother trying to limit myself to one. I, I think I've got, so first off, um, 2013 and very end of 2013 uh, I 
was when I basically realized and accepted that I was gay. It was a long pro- uh, coming out process for me. Uh, one year later, uh, I wonder if Ashley remembers this, the season finale or uh, series finale of Legend of Korra comes out. And what happens at yes. the end of yes. Legend of Korra? I didn't and come that... back till 2016, but I do remember <laughs> the, the ending because I watched it later. That's right. Okay, I will I will keep that in mind then. But yes, so that was one of those first moments. And I remember just vividly sitting in my tiny little college dorm bed watching this and just having a little squee private moment mm-hmm. to myself. You know, um, if you if anybody who is listening to this podcast wants some fun, go check out like Legend of Korra season finale reactions. Some of them are just wild. I just watched Legend of Korra like three months ago for the first time. Fantastic. Okay, yeah. It's good. And let's just say I called the ending like in season one. did. (laughs) Dang. Wow. Because no, uh, Asami is such an interesting character, especially because I feel like they didn't allude to it. I think I think I read somewhere that they wanted to, but they didn't. And so they just kind of stuck it in the end. And that's where it was. That's why it was kind of just random seeming, which irritates me not only in that, but in other shows. Yeah. Got it. I think from what I understand uh, from the interviews with the creators, uh, Brian Konetsko and... Oh my gosh, Mark uh, Mark D. Martino. I probably got his name wrong. Sorry. Um, they had talked about it from close to the very beginning, but they were already brushing up against pushback on the fact that their next Avatar character in this series was a girl at all. And so yeah. they're like, we were already dealing with enough controversy on that. We're already pushing back against that, giving her muscles, letting her be, you know, a badass mm-hmm. on screen, essentially. Yeah. All of these things. We don't have time to worry about this right now. We can't, you know, we need to pick and choose our battles right now. But Mm -hmm. then beginning season three, when they started to realize, oh, Nickelodeon is not going to give us like the same kind of flush, uh, drawn out, you know, season by season uh, show run time that they did with the original Avatar The Last Airbender series. So let's just go for broke. And so they started seeding in Korra and Asami beginning in season three which for people who don't know was about halfway through the series it ended with season four yeah um yeah so yeah and it's all it's queer coding which i consider as part of a queer representation i do not view it as queer baiting at all even though it depends on how they do it though in my opinion yeah yeah i mean i guess we'll jump that'll be jumping ahead to it i don't know how much that happens like it necessarily with guys Mm. But with girls, I feel like it does happen a lot. It does. Where it's like some things can be queer coding, and that's fine. And that's fine, depending on how you do it. But some of it definitely is queer baiting, and it's irritating. Well, and and no, I 100% agree with that. Um, (laughs) We'll probably have more to talk about uh, Supergirl, but Supergirl is the other major one with uh, the coming out storyline of Alex Danvers. I was already 100% in to Supergirl the show um, beginning of season one. Season two... uh, They changed networks. They changed networks, so we're now suddenly on the CW. Mm -hmm. And uh, they felt a little bit more free to uh, play around with essentially characters' sexualities, essentially. You know, they they were like, this is no longer... We are not beholden to the CBS's uh, requirements to be a very family-friendly show. You know, uh, take that for 
what you may take it as. Um, so <laughs> yeah. I remember the creators teasing one of the characters is going to come out as gay. And almost everyone within the entire fandom said, oh, it's Alex. Just instantly. Really? Ca- yes. I vividly remember everyone saying, oh, yeah, it's going to be Alex. And the creators were stunned and confused. And they're like, why? And just like, well... You know, she didn't really show all that much interest in Maxwell Lord. Boy, we dodged a bullet on that, by the way. <laughs> the Maxwell Lord, Alex Danvers. I completely uh, forgot about that. They, and I was like rewatching the first season. I was like, oh, right. Right. They <laughs> seeded it and it just was not working. I mean, bless the actors, but it just wasn't. Um, basically, though, what I love about Alex Danvers coming out story is that She's a late bloomer, essentially. She yes. felt very real and true to me that she's she has this realization and then she has to kind of go back and f- kind of flip through Figure the memories out. of her life and say, oh, and this was happening and this was happening mm. and this was happening. And the I coming think out scene was, with her sister was was really was, was really so good. Beautiful. I mean, and those it, two like playing sisters are excellent. Sorry. Continue. Exactly. No, but another thing that made it, like, very realistic, I think, was the fact that the actress herself was kind of coming to terms with all that through that. There's been mm-hmm. a couple of shows where actresses have come to a realization of their own sexuality through having to play queer characters. And it just gives this depth to the character that I feel like it wouldn't otherwise have yeah. sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. No. So, all in all, it was just beautiful. Love that. Yes. Um, Love that. So yeah, I, I cede the floor to everyone else's squee moments. Any important ones for you? Um, I I kind of second that on the on the Alex Danvers one. Like I said, the whole late bloomer <laughs> um scenario. It was just it was just very real. And like I said, just the way they did it was really good. They did it with a lot of intentionality. Like it was something that they did carefully. That they did on purpose it wasn't something like oh let's just throw this in there you could see that there was work that was put into it they it wasn't just because sometimes that's the only thing you give someone is a coming out scene and it just it really became part of her character and the different ups and downs and relationships she went through and everything and i feel like it was a very well written character um i would say blanca on pose was very life-changing yes Yes. Uh, so yes. Mother's Day episode is probably going to be marked in my mind for the rest of my life. That was um, going to be one of the ones for me. Blanca on Pose is like life goals for me. Right. Um, I want to be trying her. to think. <laughs> yeah. Those would probably be like like some of the ones that are like most impactful in a way. Like there's so many that you that you can just like, but like some that like you would recommend. Like I would really want you to see this. Um, you would want someone else to see it, whether they're queer or not. Like this is a person that you could learn from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are probably a couple. Well, and I think why, like Pose was so important for me, and I think it just is mm-hmm. so important because first of all, it it elevated trans women of color. And mm-hmm. that all of them, the, all of the actresses were trans women of color. It was not cisgender women yeah. playing trans women. It was, um, and and the historical aspect of it um, being this part of our community's history that not even we are taught, I think was so, so impactful. And the way they did it, it kind of connects to something Grant and I were talking about in the bonus episode that we did. 
of there were only two sex scenes in the entire like show. Yeah, that was something that I was um I like I liked about it. Like yeah. they were able to do something that a lot of shows haven't tried to do. Like they feel like they have to do that to make them important and they didn't feel the need to do that. Yeah. I mean, you definitely you knew they had sex lives, you knew all of this. Like you didn't need that, yeah. but they were able to show queerness without focusing on the sex which kind of is ironic compared to the other one that was really important for me which um the uh-huh. <laughs> grand already knows which one i'm going to talk about queer as folk was yes. really important <laughs> for me like and well is that like the l word for guys kind yes yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes exactly that's exactly what it is yes oh my god yes and it's been on my mind a lot because of the reboot is happening in June and I who God only knows how that's okay. gonna be. Oh my god. But um I think for me the first one is like I remember growing up and watching like Will and Grace and all of these different kind of shows which like showed very palatable, very good characters. But I um I felt like Queer as Folk was the first time I saw gay men just living their lives and being like, Oh, this is gay life. Like pretty much Queer as Folk was my sex education on everything for the for like my college years and all of this stuff. And I remember it being um, so big to like see the the difficulty and the dark parts and the happy parts of all of these like guys lives and um, and being like, wow, okay. Like, this is what I'm potentially getting myself into. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And I think that that was really, uh, really impactful um, for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of the media that was important to me early on. But also, I mean, what's, what's come to me, what's been most impactful for me is the stuff that I picked up way later. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe even like second adolescence, I think was really, um, a time where I was reading a lot of, uh, novels with queer characters and I was, uh, open to watching LGBTQ media on television for the first time and listening to LGBTQ, um, music. Mm-hmm. So some of the things that are sticking out to me is, um, Tyler Glenn, who's the the um, lead singer of Neon Trees, he released a solo album called Excommunication, which is about his journey um, coming to terms with his sexuality as a Mormon. Mm-hmm. Um, and he ended up like having a sort of painful split um, from his... Uh, his faith community but that album i listened to it and i'm like oh my gosh i feel all these songs so deeply Mm. (laughs) like this really resonates with a lot of what i've been experiencing so that was something that was really important um i read hanya yanagihara's novel a little life um which is maybe the most devastating novel I've ever read in my entire life. So please, if you're not in a good place, do not read it. However, it followed like several queer men over several decades and how they grow and shift and change. Um, that was phenomenally important. I mean, I read Brideshead Revisited. <laughs> <laughs> a 
staple, a classic. Um, yeah, which was as much about my journey into the Catholic Church as it was about my 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 sexuality journey. Um, yeah, and I watched I watched Pose. Pose was so important to me. Um, there were a few a few others. I think, uh, yeah, a few other movies that I watched that were really important. I watched Brokeback Mountain, <laughs> which was like a milestone. I'm like. Because I heard so much vitriol expressed toward Brooke when it Mountain. came out, yeah, when yeah. it came out, and then you you would think that it would be like this happy, pro gay celebratory movie with all the way that people were talking about it. People who obviously didn't see it because I watched it and I I spiraled like it was a depressing oh. movie. It is a depressing but, movie, but the people just paid attention to the sex they had on the mountain. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, movies like that were, were really important to me. Um, yeah, I read a, to prepare for my first two revoice, uh, breakout sessions on LGBTQ culture. I read Giovanni's Room. Oh my gosh. Giovanni's Room by James Baldwin was so good. I read a textbook on LGBTQ history and culture. Um, Grant came in here all classically prepared. I, oh, I already I tried knew. To... <laughs> that did make me think of something, though. Like, there's, like, another one of those things that, like, kind of like what uh, Josh was saying. It was a queer character, but I didn't know it was at the time. Um, mm. Fried Green Tomatoes oh, is actually yeah. a classic in uh, lesbian and queer literature. Um, but the movie was very much so, um, I wouldn't say not that way, but they kind of... Played it safe. Played it safe, finessed it. I liked yeah. it like that. I do like that version of it. It it gives very much like platonic partnership vibes, and I love it. But I yeah. remember as a kid really relating to Iggy, which is like, you know, you're kind of like your butch queer character, so say. But I didn't know that's what it was when I was a kid. And then later I figured that out. It actually made me very sad at first because just it was like, oh, it's so sinful now. But, um. Oh. Yeah. But then I read the book a couple years ago, and it um and it kind of shows that yes, they definitely had feelings for each other, though it never really says if they if they had sex or not. It doesn't say that at all. It just says that you know, um, that they had feelings for each other, um, they took care of each other, and um, I wouldn't say they had a kid together, obviously, because it was Ruth's son, but they raised him together. You know, so it is, it is really a very, very beautiful story. And that's more like on the classic end of things. Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny. I totally like not even thought about like books or music um, when we were talking about media. Yeah. Because in, in the lonely hour by Sam Smith was like a really important (gasps) for me. (gasps) Yes. Did anybody listen to Dirty Computer when it came out? Yes. Uh, I did a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. How much? How much, Grant? Just, just a little bit. Just a little. <laughs> um, and then, th- so this is really funny. This shows the complications of my high school experience. In high school, the first two books that I ever read by myself, because I've always had issues with reading. First one was the Left Behind series. 
that's one. Okay. Around the same time, I ended up reading the Rainbow Boys trilogy books, which was this like angst teenage gay male trilogy about a love triangle and I read it around and the you okay. thinking about them being left behind <laughs> oh I was gosh. interested in that revelation like and I was interested in a gay relationship so hence why I was reading these books at the exact same time um, so that was my first like queer novel that I read but um, yeah I, I think then moving into this I would love to hear your guys' thoughts there's so much queer media and what do you feel it's like consuming this media as a side B person when it's like, okay, we see ourselves in it. We might see ourselves, you know, differently, but like, how does that feel like to connect with characters to also see that there are difference between you and the characters? Like, what has that been like for you? How do you feel like that and everything? So, it's super interesting for me, especially for me, I think, because, like, <laughs> it was kind of funny to me. You guys are talking about all these classics, and I'm over here, like, I regularly watch The Owl House. <laughs> uh, which is which a cartoon. Is, you, which is a cartoon. Um, cartoons cartoons ooh, are just as important. Yes, you never even are... mentioned She-Ra. She-Ra, oh my gosh. I mean, it wasn't necessarily important to me specifically. We haven't gotten there yet. But yes, She-Ra has queer representation. I don't know. I'm not the biggest fan of one of the characters in that queer relationship. But that's just me. That's fine. You know what? We have probably progressed to the point where we can have, like... (laughs) Diversity win. This queer character is just bad. Um, queer characters can also be bad represent us this is true (laughs) this queer character is evil (laughs) anyway um but no because i watch so many cartoons uh like i said the owl house steven universe legend of korra there is no (laughs) because it's aimed it's primarily aimed at children i feel like it's i'm drawn to I'm drawn to that a little bit more just because, yes, it's a little bit more safe, but it also, there's something so beautiful, I think, about um, watching this innocent little girl realizing that she has feelings for this other girl for the first time. There's something very sweet and innocent about that. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I deal with, you know, in terms of, like, struggle, I deal with that less just because of, like, you know, the media that I watch in general. I am much more interested in animation, frankly. Um, Honestly, the adolescent, um, that that kind of like that stage that you'll find in different shows. Yeah. Like there was one that was on Netflix and it got canceled after the first season, but it was about like sixth and seventh graders too. I remember that one. And it was actually, that one was kind of triggering for me. Like that stage in life, because I feel like it's something that, even if I would have realized about my sexuality back then, I, it's still not something I would have experienced, but it's just the fact that that's not something I'm going to be able to live. It just mm, kind of yeah. sends me for a tailspin sometimes. So yeah. like that, like stage of like 13, 16, 17, all that, those shows, those are the ones that tend to, to actually like kind of put me in a bad headspace. Sometimes I can deal with the adults because yeah. I'm like, yeah. at this point I've made this decision. Like when I was 13, I just didn't understand anything. Yeah. And there's also, like, 
it's not like we don't have yes it's true that we i don't know off the top of my head at least i feel like this would have circulated if we really had side b like explicitly side b representation yeah. in oh, yeah. the media but in terms of let's say side a representation i still find that kind of important to me uh yeah. ones that come to mind are um elena alvarez from uh one day at a time uh this young mm. explicitly catholic family uh yes. the mother the grandmother the mother approaches the grandmother to try and make sure that she's not going to harass her kid now after she has just come out and the grandmother explicitly references pope francis and those um kind of yes. off-the-cuff comments yes. on uh if someone is gay who am i to judge essentially and yes we'll we'll save context for that uh for another time i'm frustrated with another great show by the way yes that That one i did love yeah so there is that there's also i would argue gentleman jack is another great one like she Mm. has one line where it's it's both a question of gender to her and a question of sexuality yeah how she interprets herself at least how they write her in the show is that she feels like it is in some way more proper because of you know this is supposed to take place in the 1800s in england it would feel more proper for her to be a man to love woman but she's like but it's true that i love woman and so she has this just great kind of almost throwaway line of deliberation where she's like god played a trick on me making me a woman and there's just something profound that i wish we saw more of it feels very much like we're starting to see characters where it's no longer at, at the very least, it is no longer an either, or you can either be gay or Christian. Exactly. We are seeing more gay Christians in media. And I actually think that's a good thing, even though yes, both of these characters are ostensibly side a, yeah. Um, at least there's yeah, like some kind of connection and it's not like in order to be queer, you have to hate faith. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So I I found that meaningful personally. Yeah, yeah. I think that's I been really that big. Technically answered the question. No, no, no. That's that's honestly I think a really big thing because I think it's even hard to find that just general queer Christians, like anywhere of intersection. Oh, yeah. of I'm a queer. Per- like I'm trying to think and I don't like. It is related to side B. It's not side B representation, but it is really funny that I've been rewatching Will and Grace recently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. And it has been funny to see the jokes that I did not pick up on back then. Well, I mean, I wasn't side B at the time about Will and Grace being celibate partners. Like they will use those terms Um, or sexless lovers and like all of this different kinds of stuff. (laughs) And I was like, oh, my gosh, I love this. I know this has nothing to do with us, but I'm loving the jokes about it. Right. Which I did not pick up on because that was not on my radar at, at the time. Um, um, mm-hmm. I know some, it's it, I've not, not actually seen them, but I know that there have been at least a couple of like smaller movies where like, um, yes, it's kind of a trope. It's about the, the, the queer character coming out, but it's about um, the relationship with them and their straight friend. And I know some side B people feel represented in those. Yeah. Um, in those movies. Was it? Um, devil, uh, something handsome devil. There was handsome devil, yeah. and I think there was there was one with uh, a girl too. I don't remember what it was called. Uh, um, uh, the half of it. Yeah, 
there you go. Um, so I know that some people felt represented in those. Um, I feel like in the sense of like watching media that you don't feel represented on on a practical level, so say like in their day to day lives, that's not how I live my life. Um, the way I approach that is one, no movies do really. If we're talking about everybody's like specifically people's sex lives, none of them really do. So like there's there's throw that out the window. If that's what I'm looking for, I'm not gonna watch TV. Um, on the other hand. Um, my like safe one is I do tend to, um, well, one obviously wants to see, I want to see other queer women in shows. Um, if it's going to, if it's going to focus on the relationship, sometimes it's not that great for me. So I do tend to like media that tends to have more gay men because you can relate to the yearning. You can relate to the not feeling like everybody else. And it doesn't have to be anything that's actually going to mess with my head at all. Cause it's a bunch oh, that's of guys. So interesting. Yeah. So, like, I do watch, like, some of the stuff that some of the, the guys are, like, more like... I still remember, I think it was the first episode of Queer Eye was just so impactful for me just to see that it was this straight, older man letting all these other gay men touch him. Obviously in a respectful and loving and warm way, but it's just something that for so long, it's always... You've always seen people have a gag reaction to, yeah. to queer men touching them. And this man was just letting himself be loved on by all these gay men. And it was a very, it was a very emotional episode. I know when I watched it, I cried. I know when my husband watched it, he cried. Like, it was just just a very beautiful episode. So like, I know that like seeing like, sometimes, like I said, I can relate to the yearning and everything and just see the, have the guys go through it without having to necessarily watch like stuff with women. That'll sometimes be a little more difficult uh, for me. Mm. Yeah. Plus, we're and we've talked about that media is moving away from that. That it always have to have a, has to have a sex scene. I'm like, I don't need that. I can know that that's what they did. I don't yeah. need to see it. Yeah. Can we move on? Yeah. But um, in that, I just kind of it sounds flipping. I'm like, I get over it. I don't know. If it if I know it's going to be bad for me, I try to stay away from it because, like you know, at first when you're just trying to absorb everything and it's like. That was a lot. Maybe I shouldn't have watched that one. <laughs> Man, I wish I had that self-control. I feel like if I know it's going to be bad Shouldn't for have me, watched it, as in I watched it and regretted yeah. it afterwards. <laughs> if, I, if I know something is like going to mess with my head, I'm like, I want to feel something. I need it. <laughs> I have to watch I've, it. <laughs> I've walked, I've, I've learned to not do that. Like I think at the beginning, I think it, I think it is a learning process. Cause like at first you just always stay away from everything. So you're like, okay, what can I handle? And sometimes you make, mistakes in that process and it's good to recognize that i watched something that i shouldn't have um but not to be afraid to watch anything at all i think a really good representation that they have now on star trek discovery is just this regular gay couple it's uh one of the doctors and one of their engineers their husbands they're married on the ship there's nothing steamy about it they're just you know just this married couple that's on the ship you know it's just that that's all it is and it's even though it's scandalous for my mother, it's just, it's, in in my opinion, a, a wholesome representation. Yeah. I think, like, another area that, kind of going back to what we were talking about uh, earlier, about the, um, oh, gosh, what is it? Like, pandering to audience, like, what, no, not pandering, whatever. What, mm-hmm. Queer baiting, Queer baiting, there or? we go. Queer baiting and all of that. <laughs> okay, I think I, like, I wrote the question. It's like there's a lot of accusations of shows that say that they are either pandering to an audience or queer baiting. 
Yeah. Is there truth in that statement? And is it or isn't it a problem as to which characters we get from those situations? Perfect. Directly from the author's mouth of the question. We love it. Oh, okay. Um, Yeah. I would love your thought because like for me, I always kind of, I do agree with you all. Like, and I, and I'm also, I also get really pissed off when we queerify some like um, characters that might not be queer. Like, oh, really? I, so, for instance, for me, I'm very big as a Lord of the Rings fan. Frodo and Sam are not queer. Ah, uh, yeah. They're Thank not. You. Yeah, see, me I and mean, Mary sure. disagree on some things. I, it's going to be great. Well, okay. I, I don't, they might be, bi- I'm not saying that bi people. I, like, I'm just saying is that the, what I'm saying is they might, I'm not saying when I say queerify, I'm meaning that I don't believe their relationship was sexual. I don't think there was in an idea of it being sexual or anything like that, mm-hmm. but doesn't mean that the care, like the characters could have been bi or something, but like, it's that whole thing. I think as we talk about inside B of that attraction and friendship, of course there was attraction. They were friends. They like, they had a deep connection, but like this thing of like, w- you know, the conversations around Luca and the conversations around like those kinds of things. But then you have other mm-hmm. areas where, like, the whole Dumbledore thing in in Harry Potter, where oh, gosh. after all the books come out. That's oh, just gay, J.K. Rowling being a mess. <laughs> that's that's definitely a part of it. Because so, he was like, yeah. oh, look, people read this. I'm going to make it canon. Exactly. That's what I think she did, in my opinion. But hey. But yeah. I don't watch Harry so Potter. I, know that I there's have no a, stakes all in these this. Things. Yeah, I just – I know that there's all these different – areas of all of it but what are your y'all's thoughts mary do you want to go first well sure i'll i'll respond to the lord of the rings thing by by first saying this the author is dead when i say they are dead in 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 terms of lord of the rings i would kind of agree with you in terms of just what J.R.R. tolkien intended was the sort of blood brothers in terms of can you hear me sorry yeah we can yep we can okay sorry the sound went weirdly dead um (laughs) but what he meant was the kind of friendship that you get through going harrowing uh experiences like for example in tolkien's actual life world war one he was one of the only men to come back from that war alive And, you know, was severely scarred by that experience. And so I think there is value, too, in the representation of two men who love each other that deeply and platonically. Like, so in that instance, I would agree, I I don't personally read Frodo and Sam as queer. However, in a different instance, (laughs) Ashley, do you want do you want to say what it is? What your guys' disagreement is? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. so. And what is, a lot it? Of what is the say name it. of the ship? <laughs> Shit, I forgot. Supercorp, thank you. Um, yes, Supercorp. <laughs> okay, so now there are reasons for it, and it's kind of like akin to what Josh said. No one's saying what these people's sexualities are. We're talking about specifics about their relationship and what different people read into it. And I can see why they see that. Like even, um, and I'm like blanking on everyone's names right now for whatever reason. But the actress who plays Lena, she says Kate she McGraw. like she, 
Yeah, Katie McGrath. She looked back and she's like, okay, now I can see why people say that. She's like, I can totally see like what our eyes are doing and the way we act around each other and everything. Yeah. Specifically her. It's it's so funny to me though, because like she, that has been her consistent line is just like, you know, I read the script. I have played characters before who had explicit queer coding in. She knew that uh, yes. from the get go. Her character, Merlin, she's played a bisexual lady on dates. This is all leading up before Supergirl. Yes, um, exactly. And... S- and so her her response was, she first read the script and was just like, oh, well, that's not there. And then had the grace to say, well, clearly I was wrong. And I'm just like, Katie, Katie, that isn't in the script. This is entirely your acting choices. Yes, exactly. <laughs> this is not like, written one, into the just, script. This is all just, you. <laughs> it's part of a way she acts. Yes, it's just, it's something in that, and their relationship is deep. They do have a deep friendship. There is a depth to it, and it is beautiful, and I like it like that. I like it as is, but a lot of people see it as them being in love. Some people see it, some people don't. I just don't. And as to whether or not you want to say the creators to continue to feed into it once they realize that the fans latched onto that is something else entirely. Well. Yeah. And I feel like I mean I I I just agree that I don't think especially the Supergirl because you already had if we are to take queer baiting as to me this is the definition of queer baiting a top-down executive because of a marketing decision they see that they had this queer audience they want to keep this queer audience around but they don't want to alienate the uh, straight audience. So they will imply, they will give little hints, wink, wink, nudge, nudges, but they have no plans on doing anything with that. Because Supergirl already had at that point uh, a queer the character. Alex Danvers, a, a queer character, a queer relationship, they had already made good on that. I don't view Supercorp as queer baiting, unless you count some of the social media sites, which very much did play up like... They would use the ship name. They would uh, yes. say this is the best couple in the CW-verse. You know, stuff like that, yeah. which I would say is... I remember a specific inside. article that came out, like, when the last season was being produced. They're like, and fans will be satisfied with our, like... However, they were ending the show with, with, with Kara and Lena and everything. And it was like, one, y'all butchered that. Just, just, just I know, that was... <laughs> Nobody was but, satisfied with the, set, the end of no, Supergirl. At all. It was okay. It was fine. But it was... They, there's Pandemic the, no. circumstances. But, like, they said stuff like that. So it's not that, that, that those people were created that way, but they still did pander to it. Yeah. But, no, I don't think Supercorp is specifically a um, an example of queer being. One that I have, for example, that I have taken issue with but i still don't mind it entirely is like in star trek picard they made seven of nine cannot canonically queer and now she's always been, she's been read as a queer character since day one and that's actually something i was like mm-hmm. i can see that her being like connected to every species of course she's going to be attracted to more than one gender i can see her being by prob no no problems with that but the way they did it at the end of season one when these people had barely looked at each other twice had said mm-hmm. maybe three words to each other. At the end, they decide to hold hands. Where'd well, I come from? That's just love. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's just like, that's just slapping it on at the end. Like, that's, <laughs> that, that irritated me. Making Seven a queer character, that's fine. But y'all did that poorly with no effort. Yeah. 
Well, like, listen, if you want to talk about no effort, we need to talk about Disney. <laughs> yes. No. Oh, they, they <laughs> use yes. the word first. Like, they don't know how math works. There's, there are seven, eight, nine first queer characters My in Disney movies God. now. Yes. It's so funny every single time. And that's what makes it so explicitly queer baiting. Even, oh, yeah. te- yeah. even if you want to technically say, yes, they were queer. You know, we wrote that into the script. Like. It's queer baiting when you are explicitly using this as a marketing tactic to get positive press about you from like Glad or whatever, which Glad obviously is not buying it. Or, or even as free bad press. Right. Mm-hmm. Like it's that's essentially what they're doing. And that I would say is an art is very oh, yeah. much an example. No effort. It's kind of like Sorry, the on, feeling Josh. I had after the Beauty and the Beast live action where there was all of this uproar oh from conservatives about uh, what's his name? Um, oh my gosh, Lafu. Le- but then yeah. I feel like I feel like queer people weren't that apt to jump in and defend it because it was like two seconds of him At dancing with a guy. And we're like, ah, eh, conservatives, eat it apart. We don't really care. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like whatever. my sister went to see it for her birthday. My mom went and she was super concerned about it. And at the end, she was like, "Was that it?" We're like, "Yes, that was it." That was that it. Was that was oh. it. I mean, I did love. And my mom doesn't even like these things, and she's like, "Okay, <laughs> <laughs> that was fine." I-, I did love the concept of LeFou like crushing on Gaston throughout the whole movie. I mean, that was I don't know. Kind yeah. of... that makes total sense. It made sense. Total sense. One hundred percent. But like the dance part, yeah. I was like, "That's nothing." Yeah, I just like I love queer representation. I, I, I just wish. And as I said, I even love Queer as Folk because it just showed the, like, just this is queer life kind of thing of gay men. But then I also would love romantic kind of representation that doesn't always have to show sex. That's something that Grant and I talked about in the bonus episode about Heartstoppers and why it was so good. It never had a sex scene between, first of all, between high schoolers. Second of all, between these two kids that fell in love. Like, they just could have a crush on each other and it didn't need to become sexual. And, like, I think that there's something about the idea of friendship and the attraction in friendship. And we can deal with that. And it doesn't always have to become a love interest. Um, And it can still be queer. Um, I'm trying to remember. And there's an old movie that was about the friendship between a lesbian and a gay man. And... It was about during the AIDS epidemic. I cannot remember. It was a very niche, like, movie. Like, one of those, like, you know, film festival kind of Right, yeah. Sounds good. It was really good. And I loved it. I'd watch it. Because it was just showing... The the guy was dying from AIDS, and it was, like, her caring for him. And it was just this beautiful friendship between the two of them as he was dying. And someone, if you can remember... If anyone's listening, you can remember it, please tweet it to me, because I was trying to google it and find it and i couldn't find it but i remember watching that and just being really impacted by the friendship of this lesbian woman and this gay man and being like oh yeah i love this i mean obviously i don't love it because he was dying but like i loved the friendship and the way they cared for each other in the midst of everything going on um so i want more of that and i get that sometimes that gets into this queer baiting kind of conversation because the question is can there be a queer representation if it isn't a love interest if there isn't a sex like sex or there isn't this without it being super stereotypical and yeah. it's it's 
it's complicated, but I think you can. I think it should just, you can see unoriginality in media nowadays everywhere. everywhere. Just this total lack of originality on all parts. That's why you get so many remakes. No one can think of anything anymore. And I think that's part of it. It's almost a laziness. It's like you can do it. Just no one wants to try. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, are we talking about just in general we want to see more uh, more representation with less just kind of sexual content or well yeah to an extent yes because also I think I think it's it's important for maybe I'm old school for teenagers to have representation that's not so sexualized like that's mm-hmm. one of my big um, things with the show sex education which I actually do like but that is not in my opinion really a show for for teenagers or kids because it's like it doesn't Kind of like this thing, like, why don't we have, like, non-alcoholic gay clubs? Why don't we have gay bookstores? Why don't we have gay coffee shops? Places where people can go that don't have all of this adult content for our younger for our younger queers and even us that just aren't interested in those things. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, so I think in media, we also need to be able to see that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. And, and honestly, more than that, like, even more than all of that, I just, I would love to see more stuff about queer Christians in general as you said Mary doesn't, oh yeah exactly. it doesn't have to be side a side b it's just like just being able to see queer people living out faith like and that's probably going to be side a yeah. when it starts becoming more prolific there's just no way around that because that's going to be easier for people um a lot of your your, your very staunch straight yeah. allies that's all they're really going to accept for anybody um and that's, like you said, that's okay. Just to see people that are saying, like, yeah, of course I love Jesus. That's what... I would ahead. keep my I would keep my eyes peeled for how the Locked Tomb... Uh, it's no longer a trilogy. It's like a quadrilogy now. <laughs> um, how the Locked Tomb series okay. ends. It is... The author is explicitly a Catholic lesbian who is writing this very macabre, me- memento mori story between these two women uh it's been some of the sharpest writing that i've read in such a long time i just recommended it in general really but i'm also very curious as to where she's going to go with this and i don't know so i won't expound upon it here but it's it's been lovely lovely reading two things one of them is probably going to get me in trouble so sorry everyone Yes, um, start with it first. Well, no, that one's going to go second. The first one is <laughs> the one little bit of intersection of sexuality, LGBTQ stuff, and faith that I have really loved was you mentioned about Queer is Full, or not, why do I keep going? Queer Eye, um, Ashley, before. <laughs> and um, the season one, season two, episode one, um, episode. Yes. Mama um, Sammy. Yeah. Mama Sammy. That episode I felt was like such, so good of this understanding of this yeah. intersection. And I felt like it was so beautiful and so needed. Um, like, I normally don't watch Queer Eye currently because I feel like it's, like, I, I don't know. The, like, none of this bad. It's just, I, I feel like it's really good for straight people kind of coming into it or people, like, as you're kind of, like, working through your sexuality and stuff. And it's just kind of like how I've now put RuPaul's Drag Race into gentrified drag section. It's really good. But... um my other one. Okay, this is where I'm going to get controversial. I was having a conversation with someone on this on social media. Who has watched The Chosen? Not me. No. No, sorry. You need to. I know everyone keeps telling me to, and then I'm, I just... I've, I'm like and then I don't watch it harder. Two. Yeah. I'm very behind on it, but I do watch it. And I okay. Do watch it. We were Who's t- your character? We, I really... 
I, I obviously they'll never do it, but I would love for one of the disciples to be queer. Oh my gosh, that'd be so cool. And I just, I feel like the Thaddeus gives, <laughs> no, don't do that. We don't need to be the villain. As if, oh my gosh, as if people don't already read that into like, you know, Jesus Christ Superstar. I know, right? Well, I mean, yeah. I, we already get enough. We didn't even talk about that, like queer villains and all of that. Ursula being like my favorite villain growing oh, up and being based on she a drag queen. Loved it. <sighs> divine yeah. oh divine no, fantastic howard howard ashman yeah you were you were gone too soon. but seriously <laughs> in that show thaddeus and matthew both give me queer vibes i'm here for it really? and i want it to happen oh my gosh i want it my only thing with that is like we just don't know what that i feel like we don't know what that would have looked like in that context yeah because we don't. It was just so far 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 from what we Underst- the way we see things, the way we understand things, and for someone to be, I think, queer in that time would have been like specifically a sex thing. So it's like it would have been it w- weird. It would have been like there was acknowledgement. Like this is where we're gonna get into biblical. Like there, there was acknowledgement of attraction, but it was not connected to identity. So you're one hundred percent right. It would be very hard to do that because there's just not. Oh, how do you do it culturally? And they've been doing everything very culturally well. I feel like um, exactly. So and that's one of the reasons it's good. Yeah. I but I've I've talked with people about like that would be so fascinating for me. Um, like we don't even know if at that point in time people related any like stereotypic mannerisms to yeah. the people who participated in those type of sexual acts because that's kind of like how it was considered. Mm-hmm. So we don't even know if if like that was a thing. Oh, 100%. I mean, there were definitely some stereotypes. Like I think of the the category of the eunuch in the ancient world was very much a third sex category. And people would say that they're, like, sexually deviant or they're, like, emasculated, like, like culturally and socially emasculated as well as physically and Mm -hmm. yada, yada, yada. So, I mean, there are definitely stereotypes, but... Yeah. yeah, if we're gonna do any any gay Bible characters, we gotta go with the OG. We gotta go David and Jonathan, right? David and Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if if we have to stick to the apostles, I was honestly surprised that you didn't mention John. Yeah, it's gotta be John, girl. Well, I I'm just going off of like how they're coming off in the show. John doesn't give me queer. Right, vibes. he's saying like the way that the characters, like their personalities. Yeah, are. the way that yeah. their personalities are. Which I would say Thomas. I could see that. I could see it. Oh yeah, okay. But we are. <laughs> it just turns out Jesus has twelve gay followers. <laughs> I'm just saying, like the way that they yeah, all of the them. characters. I would say that this person, as opposed to who Josh is. Like, and I just want to. No, 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 no. This is I, this is canon now. I want to clarify to everyone. Gay. I'm not saying any of. I'm thinking any of these disciples were queer historically. I'm talking about the show. So no, the way that they have, the personalities low. that they have we've, given these men, we've, we've got to take them all. Like we were talking <laughs> yeah. about the possibility that one might, no, it's all of them. We got to no, take it, all of them. Out. Sorry guys. I'm with Grant. Sorry. <laughs> they're all <laughs> queer. Um, no, you know, talking about David and Jonathan, I was really excited. A- uh, ABC for a while was doing a show based on first and second Samuel of Kings and prophets. And it only got uh-huh. one season, but David and Jonathan are both in it. And like you begin to see the beginnings of them getting to know each other, and I was like, "Oh, what are we gonna see? Are they? Are, are they? they?" And then they canceled the show after one season. 
Damn. I honestly don't like the queer reading into like David and Jonathan's relationship. Yeah. It it it's a pet peeve of mine. Mm-hmm. Um I can see I... it. What have you again, like we say, even in like the queer reading of shows, what have you may have been their sexualities, I don't know. I just don't like the reading into that of their relationship. Agreed. Sure. I mean, but we do it's we can't help but doing that for for straight folks all the time. Through all of scripture. It's just like Everyone is assumed to be straight until otherwise. Why can't we just assume that someone is gay at the at the outset? <laughs> oh yeah, no. Like right? I said, do that with whoever whoever you whomever you please. Yeah, the idea is that yeah. they had a sexual relationship or something like that. That was like oh, uh, I don't think they did. But even no. if they did, like I don't. I, that's not that's not the point. My point anyway. I just yeah. like yeah. I I sense so much um, resonance between my life and specifically the life of Jonathan. Mm. Um, because I think Jonathan is if either of them are queer, it's Jonathan, not David. But I mean, right? I think they both are. But yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Like, I, I, I could get those. Shout out to King David. Shout out, bad, bad queer representation. (laughs) Right? Just straight up bad. Exactly. We don't claim him. (laughs) We don't claim you. No, we wow. do. We, we just claim you, David. This episode is we, getting we unhinged. So quick. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get canceled for this. I really oh, think so. Oh, if she who must not be named gets a hold of this episode as much as she loves Preston's book, dear God. Uh, I can't. Well, let's... If that's the case, then let's give her something really to choose. It would be the first. It would be the first time anyone actually like bad analyzes anything. I I was just talking to someone about this. I feel like we at Life on Side B are go so under the radar for a lot of people that like. I yeah. love it, honestly. I do. It's okay like with they'll me. criticize yeah. Side B in general, but it, like they never come after us, and I love it so much. But <laughs> we got that first random one that Grant sent us the other day, but yeah. that was like it was like so. It was so mad so that weird. It was, like, <laughs> In defense, in defense of the queering of uh, characters, I don't know about people necessarily, historical people, but the queering of characters, I, uh, I don't know. I feel like this kind of has to go with like an older mentality that may not be the current media landscape anymore. The idea that you know, in the past we had very few queer characters, so queer coding or reading you know, doing queer readings of certain characters felt like representation when it wasn't top-down corporate uh, representation as intended. But I think that could still be meaningful and you still... To some people, yeah. Yeah, like, for example, I would not count Elsa as queer representation. She's not. However, she is queer-coded enough um, I I think accidentally, in the same way that I honestly think this whole supercorp Yes, exactly. was entirely accidental. It somehow right. just they somehow accidentally wrote Katie one McGrath of the best. Eyes. No, it's not just Katie McGraw. I really think like they accidentally wrote one of the best love stories in Whoops. the DC universe. It's just like no, it really is. It was an accident. But um, yeah. going back to Elsa, that was important to me specifically. Yeah, uh, I remember that. Yeah. Yes, of course we had conversations. One hundred percent. Um. So I think I think that still can be valuable, even if obviously you don't want to get, like have your head run away with it. Um, people who demand uh, certain things of creators when they're like, "Sorry guys, that's not the show that we wanted to write." Yeah, like 
I've, I've seen fans become nasty because they've queered the characters in a way that was never intended mm. and they couldn't stay in their own lane. And yeah. I'm not about that, frankly. Uh, creators have to deal with so much junk in general with yes, fan exactly. reactions on Twitter and all the can't please everybody. Vicious yeah. hate, yeah. So I'm not about that. But I think, I don't know. It's a journey. To me, I think there's still value in doing queer readings yeah. of characters. One day, if we ever get to that place of um, I ever feel comfortable <laughs> enough with audio editing at that point, I want to do some audio drama stuff of like Christian stuff. I don't know. That's been a dream of mine. It might be way in the head, but like ahead, but it's kind of been one of those things of like, well, if they're not going to give us queer Christian representation, let's just do it. Let's do it. (laughs) Hey, sign me up. Fine. I'll do it myself. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Excellent Thanos voice there. Y'all, this has been fun. We probably need to close it before we say more things that are going to get us, you know, canceled. canceled and oh, we already everything. we were canceled from the get go. Oh so. yeah. yeah, I mean, definitely oh the gay disciple mention was going to just. <laughs> Josh, for all the editing that he will have to do on this episode. <laughs> oh god. No, it's staying in here. Wanna, it's all staying. Do we, we want to talk? Do we want to talk about is all representation good? Oh. Because I have a specific example where it's not, and I just. Oh, give it, give it to us. Give it to us. Why not? Let's finish off this way. Do you guys, have you ever heard of this show called Supernatural? Oh, yes. Yes. I haven't watched it. Have you heard, have you heard this uh, pairing called uh, Destiel? No. No. Wait, is that one of the angels? (gasps) Yes. No. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. It's, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. How do I even describe what happened? Remember, remember the 5th of November. November 5th, 2020. It's like the, uh, no, 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 no. This was a thing. I cannot begin to stress upon you how much this blew up Tumblr. I mean, I on top remember, of that, but because yes. I don't know Supernatural, I understood very little of it. But yes, it was oh, days I, that I could get through nothing else but that. I knew nothing about Supernatural until this day. And then I had to investigate more because I was just so enamored with the craziness that was happening on november 5th i mean partially because you have to remember november 5th 2020 it's like day three of the u.s elections we still don't know who the president is at that time people are losing their minds basically (laughs) there was a rumor that uh putin resigned i think that day anyway um what a day so what a day uh, so this episode drops. It's two episodes before the finale of Supernatural. Uh, the angel is about to be sucked into Turbo Hell. It's hell, but worse, basically. Okay. Um, and <laughs> Get he, past that. And, yeah. one of, and one of the last things that he says is, I love you, to this character who fans have loved the interactions with ever since this this angel first showed up on the show in season four basically to give you a sense of like the commitment that they kind of had around each other one of the first plot lines is the angels goes down into hell and rescues dean from hell so there is this great automatic sense of we're bonded deeply together it's it's kind of beautiful in a lot of ways, except for I'm never going to watch this show. The show is 15 seasons long. No way. <laughs> oh my um, gosh, what a commitment. I know, good gosh. Yeah. But, so this character 
confesses his love is immediately a a, uh, a victim of burrier gaze essentially oh no <laughs> this they are never talked about again in the last two episodes remember this is two episodes before the series finale the, these this angel character is never brought up again the other character who was told that you know had you know was confessed to dean never brings up the angel again never brings up that they had a deep moment it's and then and so people were like okay well like did they edit it down or something what happened here like and then it turns out like a month later in one of these spanish releases with the spanish dub of the thing they say te amo y ayo a ti so it is explicitly romantic and yeah. it's explicitly like reciprocated Whoa. in the Spanish dub. And so they became canon in Spanish. <laughs> okay, that I did not know. That is so, so funny. I just, uh, when I saw this question, I'm just like, we have to talk about this because no, not all it's queer not. representation is good. Yeah. No. And that is one of the That's funniest examples ever. Yeah. Well, I'm so sorry if anybody is listening to this and was like a huge Destiel shipper. I'm sorry. You're feeling better. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, I think that the whole bad representation also goes back to a little bit of what I said of like, I am a huge queer villain fan, but the amount yeah. of queer villains that we have had, it's like, okay, we don't all have to be a villain. Well, yeah, it's because because for the longest time, the way that they would make villains extra evil sounding to people is to make them sound gay. Yes. <laughs> Which, like, is true, but they shouldn't say it. No, just kidding. <laughs> I mean, literally the best example is Ursula, but almost every... Yeah. Almost every Disney villain, you can find a queer, like, yeah, foundation. Yes. Oh, Jafar. <laughs> Jafar. I mean, a lot of them. A yeah. lot yeah. of them. And so it's like, it's not necessarily, I mean, we love a good queer villain. They, we love a good queer villain. But it's, They are flamboyant and they are clearly having fun. And who are we to stop at the time? <laughs> they yeah, really yeah. are. But there it is. Anyway, y'all, we probably need to be wrapping this up. Um, <laughs> happy Pride Month, everyone. Happy Pride. Happy Pride. Have fun. God loves you. Understand that in this moment that you are loved. Mary, it is so good to have you back. You are so always welcome good. back. Absolutely. You are always Thank welcome you. back. Thank you for bringing me on to talk about Supercorp and Destia. Remember, you, always, you still... <laughs> I couldn't pass that up. <laughs> Remember, the one episode we're requiring you to come back for is whenever this whole thing ends... We're bringing back all the co-hosts. So if nothing else, we'll, will we'll hear you one more time. The series finale. The or the series, yeah, yeah, series the finale. The series finale. Oh, man. We're going to have dramatic love declarations on which, the Turbo which, Hell. <laughs> which, to be clear, is is not scheduled at all yet. Like, we don't have a plan for a series finale yet. Just to be... Oh, you were making me worry. That I was out like, there. okay... Yeah. You can't just drop the word series finale, Josh, and then move on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm just trying to keep it in all of our co-hosts' minds so that, like, Mary knows we, we need her back when this all ends. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you, you could not keep me away. Cannot wait. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you, everyone. Have a good Pride Month, and we will talk to you soon. Bye, everyone. See you guys. Bye. Bye.